Welcome to The Stumbling Spirit, Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. Whether you realize it or not, you are resilient. It's your birthright. As you take in your next breath, know this truth. It's not only about your capacity to overcome difficult situations, but it's about your courage to do the necessary work to heal, learn, grow, and move forward. What you gain is invaluable wisdom. And it's through these hard stumbles in life that we often discover a new purpose that aligns with our spirit. My name is Fabio De Silva Fernandez, Reiki master, mindfulness coach, and mystical explorer. Join me weekly as the Stumbling Spirit podcast highlights the lives of extraordinary people like you, sharing transformative stories and beneficial practices of resilience to guide you on your wellness journey. On the surface, Lori Bean had it all, a loving family, a beautiful home, and a successful career. Everything changed after a serious car accident that left her with life-altering injuries. Years of chronic pain and unwellness, combined with several misdiagnoses, left her frustrated and hopeless until she asked, what is the soul? This took her on a spiritual quest for her truth, introduced her to holistic health, and inspired the creation of a wellness center for women called Malia. Lori, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. I'm so excited to be part of this and share my passion and why I believe our journeys and everything we experience are so important. And it's part of our evolution. What is the soul? Can I can I share my introduction to the soul? For me, it was really profound. And I think this might be some of other people's experience too. So as you mentioned, I was sick for a very, very long time. And I had sought out all kinds of medical care and I was searching and I just wasn't getting better. And I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And as you said, I was like in this incredible relationship and I had amazing kids and I had this beautiful job. And how can I still be so sick where really there was nothing really quote unquote wrong with me. And I would spend days on the internet at the time. And I would just search like all these different ailments that I had and and I remember sitting at the computer one day and something just popped up. I don't know what it was, an ad for something, but it was a soul retreat in Sedona. I looked at this ad and I remember thinking like the soul, like what is the soul? And it's something that I'd never thought about. I never contemplated, no understanding of what it was. The soul to me was a word that was kind of a woo-woo term, I guess, but I sat and I just looked at this and looked at this and I thought, okay, what's the soul? And then I clicked on this ad for this retreat and I started reading all the different things that this retreat could support you with. And it was all deep introspective work. I still didn't have the understanding actually, but it had nothing to do at the time with the mind or the physical body. And I remember thinking the soul, okay, so they define it in this retreat as connecting to your truth or your purpose 
or being in alignment with something deep within yourself. And I still didn't get it, but something started to resonate because if nothing else was working from the external world, maybe it was something deep within me, this soul piece that was actually missing. So I kind of was sort of putting the pieces together. Even in reading that and having a little more awareness, everything just started to shift for me. Like my my whole being just softened and it was a sense of hope as well that, okay, maybe it's not this physical body and this mental body, but if I tap into this deeper thing, this essence, whatever they describe the soul as, and, and there were words like your higher self and stuff like that, which still at the time didn't resonate, but maybe there was some truth in that. And then there was some hope for recovery. I think the next morning I booked this trip. I had been married for, I don't know, 15 years at the time. I'd never been anywhere on my own. I'd always gone on family trips and things with my husband and so forth. And I thought I'm going, I had to get on a plane by myself, rent a car by myself, rent hotels by myself, go to someplace unknown, figure out where I was going to go to all these different sessions. Cause you had to go to these people's homes. And it was this calling like this, what, if I, in reflection, it was like, I don't know, I guess my higher self calling me to do something more. And I went to this retreat. It was five days and it transformed my life. I connected to something so deep within myself. And I think it is our higher self, this sense of knowing, this deep knowing that maybe it was time for it to finally arise. Like I had, I had never been able to connect with that before. And I went to this retreat and I had some healing done and there was a lot of introspection. I don't know. I emerged and everything shifted for me. I had this deep awareness that my relationship was actually out of alignment. My relationship, my job, I had been working um, as an interior designer for years and I was very, very successful. So I couldn't at the time understand if I was doing so well and I'm very creative. I did a really great job at what I did. How could that be out of alignment for me? Like, how could that not be my true purpose? Like there were all these questions that came up, but then there was this nudge and this calling that kind of kept emerging one morning, the day before I left. And remember I'd been sick. This, this was after me being sick for so long and what have you. And I had, I don't know what you call it, download an awareness. I don't know that my path needed to change. And I, if I was on this path of nurturing myself on a really deep level, I need to bring this to other women. I didn't know how, and this goes back to the how I didn't know how I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it was. I was going to do, but it was this deep knowing that this is where my path was going. So I think our soul calls to us. And I think we listen when we're ready to listen. So I think really the soul is our true selves calling for something more to show up with our greatness in the world. And we have a choice to listen or not to listen. And I think if I didn't listen and shift my path, I might actually not be here today because it was leading me down the road of never mind just illness, but suicidal ideation and a lot of dis-ease in my body. It's interesting, right? Because when we talk about those changes, that pivotal moment where you had that download mm -hmm. of information, 
it was a journey for you to even reach that point. And so mm -hmm. do you feel that that was started or that started with the car accident? Where do you feel that started with you in terms of that awareness? No, I think the car accident shifted a lot of things for me. I, I always describe it like I emerged a different person, but I didn't have an understanding of what that was. I was so regulated before the accident. I'm type A. I was driven. I was like the perfect mom, the perfect wife. I had this incredible job and I would go, 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 go. And after the accident, and I was so unwell, I went actually deep into despair. I don't know. Some people call it the dark night of the soul. And I think living in that for a while, because I, I think we have a choice. We can stay to live there or search for our truth, which maybe we don't know that that's what it is. But I think it took, I needed to be in that space of unwellness and searching and asking and connecting with myself on a deeper level, possibly to allow that information to come in. I mean, I think for some people, yeah, for sure. You hear stories where it just like, boom, this information comes in and everything changes for them. I think our paths are all different, but I think as well that we know intrinsically when our life is out of alignment and we have the choice to stay in that pattern and live an unhealthy existent mind, body, soul, or to search for something different. But I don't think we need to know in that moment, what that is. We just need to trust that there is something out there that can shift everything for us. There's a connection to suffering in this, right? Because yeah. this was a serious car accident. Yeah. yeah. And it took years of suffering before you were able to have that or ask that question, mm -hmm. what is the soul? Mm -hmm. Could you explain a little bit about the literal impact of that accident on your life? It's funny because I think what we do as moms, like I'm coming from the perspective of a mom and a wife and a friend, we, in society, we need to push and show up as perfect. And it's, there's truth in that. We try to be as perfect as we can possibly be. Like we have to nurture our kids on all different levels. We have to provide organic food. We have to make sure they're sleeping. They've got to be in a million activities. We have to make sure they're healthy. We have to do all these things. And that consumes our being. We don't have the opportunity in those moments to go deep. Like it's just, it's impossible. Then you have to be this great wife and support your spouse and put good food on the table and, in my existence, I loved working. So I also had a full-time job and had, how do I show up the best in that? So we're consumed with all these external things, but we all, I also knew I was exhausted. I was completely exhausted. I, I wouldn't say I was unhappy, but something wasn't right. Like it might always question, like, is this it? Like I strive for so long. I, I mean, I had a very successful career, very young. I had kids very young. I got married very young because that's what I was supposed to do. But then when I was living this, I guess I was, I would describe it as just being numb and going through the motion. And I laugh actually now because I always question what joy was. And I'm like, is this joy? Like, is this being happy? Like I, I was, I was just 
consumed by everything that was going on that I didn't even know if I was really living a fulfilling life. Yeah. And, and I know when I look back that my relationship wasn't great, that I was overworked and I had incredibly high expectations of myself. And it's kind of all a blur because I think we just go through the motions. I think for me, I mean, I think the accident was kind of divine intervention. I really do. And I think it needed to happen to slow me down so I could really dive into my truth. Is this the life I want to be living? I mean, you're a mom, you're always a mom. I mean, that doesn't change, but how you show up as a mom can change. Um, your expectations on your children, your expectations on yourself, what is realistic, what is depleting you, what is giving you life and joy. I mean, it had to, it had me evaluate all these things in my life that I kind of knew were out of alignment, but it was what it was. Like it just is what it is. People go and have a job that they hate for 30 years because it is, you do the same thing over and over again. It's a good job. You get paid well. It's fine. It's fine. But I also didn't know that there was the possibility for more. And change is really, really scary. And I would have probably never changed my dynamic. And I think getting in that accident and having me bedridden for months and sick for years and ailments continuing to occur and my immune system crashing and one disease after the other. And I kept wanting to go back to work. That's the funny thing. I kept showing up for my kids as best as I could. I kept trying to go back to work. I kept trying to nurture my relationship. But the more my body and my mind and my soul were diseased, that became more and more out of alignment. It was just like these messages keep that kept coming in. I'm going to keep giving this to you if you don't wake up and listen. It was sort of like that. And I think when perhaps I was ready to receive that information is when that showed up on my computer that day. You know what I find really interesting about when you recall your story yeah. is that you focus a lot on your emotion your emotional state and your mm -hmm. mental state, but you're not really focusing a lot on your physical state, but you were experiencing a lot of pain. Yeah. So what were your physical injuries? So I had um, a fractured sacrum. I don't know. I don't know how many discs had ruptured, probably seven ruptured discs. I had severe whiplash, all those immediate physical things. They were a lot, but then they turned into, I think, cause my body was so overwhelmed with the pain that it started attacking my other systems, like my nervous system, my immune system. I, so my, when my nervous system started to get attacked, I started to have severe anxiety, severe depression, suicidal ideation. And then my, my immune system, I would just get sick all the time. Like I would end up with weird flus. I had one flu that attacked my lung. It turned into a staph infection. I couldn't breathe for two years. I had seen every physician in the world. And it was just about the lining of my lung having to prepare to repair itself. Like it was just this perpetual reoccurring or occurring illnesses and just like weird things. And I was diagnosed with all the things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. They thought I had a mess. Like it just goes because they couldn't figure it out. And I know now one with 100% certainty it is because I was not listening and I was not 
in alignment with my soul, with my truth. And I'll tell you something so interesting. So the last two years of my marriage before, like I ended my marriage, I sold my business and did all these things. This is when the lung thing happened. I couldn't breathe. I had to go for special breathing treatments and the pain was excruciating. If I took a breath deeper than just sort of like a little inhale, it felt like someone was stabbing me in the chest. This went on for two years. And when I decided to leave my marriage, it it was the same. Like I had the same pain, whatever, but it was just time to get out. And I remember the day I left and I went and I stayed with a girlfriend. I was staying in her house and still not well. I went to bed. And the next morning I get up and I'm lying in bed and I'm sort of thinking like something is weird. Something's different. I get, I go and I sit up and I take a breath and I'm like, what? And I take another huge breath, no pain. I had suffered pain for two years. It sounds insane and crazy and unexplainable. I, I didn't have any, I'm covered in goosebumps. Actually, I didn't have any pain. It was gone. And every probably 15 minutes, I kept waiting for it to come back. And this went on for days. Like I kept checking in and watching my breath and checking my chest. It never came back. To be honest, I think if that hadn't happened, I might've gone back to the exact same situation I was in. It was like, I needed that sign, that clarity to know that yes, this is the right decision. I knew that this is right. Even though I had no idea what I was going to do in my life. I lost a ton of friends because I left this marriage. I was living in a shitty apartment. I mean, the whole thing was horrible, but something inside me just knew that it was still right. And, and I would be able to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out in the moment. And I'm a figuring out person. Like I have plans. I have lists. I need to know what's happening tomorrow but I just trusted and it took a long time. This is not an easy shift. It took me probably two years. I started slowly. I decided instead of running my design company, I was just going to flip houses. So I started doing a little bit of that. I started volunteering for all these different women's organizations. I was just drawn to help women. I, I, I don't even know if I can explain how. I think because on this journey of being unwell, there was no support. It was so lonely No one understood what I was going through. You go see the doctor. They're like, yeah, this is going on. This is going on. Take this, take this. You go home. You're alone. It's the, it's the loneliness and the lack of support and the lack of care that keeps pushing you deeper into the hole. And I just knew I didn't want other women to have to, if, if, if that was the way I could support them just to be there and listen and care. So I volunteered at like the women's shelter and we have a distress center here where people call in and you support them on the phone. It's volunteer. And that's kind of how I started to live my truth, I guess. And even though I wasn't getting paid for any of that, it just felt so good in my soul. When I think about your journey though, this took many years. Like you had the accident at 31. Yep. And it took, didn't it take like seven years afterwards of like dealing with chronic pain dealing with fatigue dealing with these unknown illnesses dealing with these misdiagnoses and then seven years along you come across that question what is the soul and then you do that introspection and immediately go down to sedona yep so you touched a little bit about it but could you maybe 
go a little bit deeper in terms of what that experience was like when you were in Sedona? You work one-on-one with these different practitioners. So you're, for me, it was doing things I'd never done before. So there was deep breath work where you end up going on this journey. I mean, that was profound. They had a medical intuitive there that dove into different things going on in your body. You did astrology work. You did um, mother wound healing. All these practices that for me were like, this stuff is so woo-woo and so out of the box, but I loved it. I felt nurtured and cared for. That's what it was. So it didn't matter what was happening. They're with you for two hours. They're holding you. They're nurturing you. You're crying. They're embracing you. They're listening to you. They care. So I don't even know if it was the actual modalities more so than being heard, cared for, and supported. And that is the foundation for what I've created. I think that is everything. We are meant as human beings. If you look at all these other cultures around the world, we're born into these families and we are supposed to live in these beautiful communities where we have grandparents and uncles and aunts and sisters and brothers, and we all nurture one another. When one woman gives birth, all the women in the community come together and support the woman. When someone's sick, you've got the shaman coming in. You've got this whole beautiful community of people that support you. We have nothing. We have nothing. We isolate ourselves from our families. We isolate ourselves from our neighbors. We, our extended family lives somewhere around the world. We don't have that. So it's such a huge piece, this community piece and this genuine love, care and support, I think is a huge part of what we need for healing. And I think that is what I got there. And I knew that that was possible. And I think that's why when I came back and I knew that I had to do something for women and I was volunteering at all these places, it grew into this concept of a care center. Like, what can I provide to support care for women? And how can I change the narrative of our belief in Western medicine? I think Western medicine is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have a broken hip, like whatever. You need surgery. All those things are so important. But they don't have the opportunity to nurture you. You go to a doctor now, it's 10 minutes in an appointment room. You go, and and they don't look at other possibilities. They, They look at what they know. And they provide you with the information they have, which is fine. There's so much that is missing. Like when I reflect on all the things I've experienced over the past few years with, you know, deep studies through naturopathic medicine that looks deep into your blood and looks at as a woman, like your estrogen levels, your cortisol levels, your progesterone, your testosterone, all the different pathogens, all the different things going on in your life. I turned out that I ended up with a mold toxicity that I didn't even know existed. And that with that treatment that I went through from a functional medicine doctor, that also changed everything for me. There's so many things that I have done that I recognize are just not provided by Western medicine. It kind of led me to this path of how do I bring all these things in together to provide the best care for women when they're not getting it with standard Western medicine. I left Sedona again, didn't really know what it looked like. I also came back and started learning different modalities. So I became a lymphatic drainage specialist because I had a lot of that lymphatic drainage done and that changed things for me. I became a biodynamic craniosacral therapist. Um, I, I just did so many different practices on my own and then started practicing them on other people. But also in that, I learned not one person 
can heal you. I don't even know if that's the right term. I started to refer patients out or clients out to other people that I knew because I'd had all these people in my toolbox because I was seeing them all. The problem with that though, is if they come see me for lymphatic drainage, and then I want to refer them to a naturopathic doctor, let's say, because we're not working in the same environment, we are not allowed legally to share information about the clients. So there's still a disconnect, right? And it just started to become clearer and clearer to me that even though my priority is care and nurturing and deep listening and holding and support and all those things, we need all these incredible healers, I guess you can call them, to come together collaboratively to support women. That's kind of what it evolved into. And I spent probably six years Literally, and this is how long it took me to really figure out what I wanted this to look like, what was going to work, who these practitioners were going to be, how do I need them to show up, what are my values around the type of people they are, how they practice, what they bring to clients. It's not just like finding somebody and then adding them to your group. I think a lot of places that I've experienced do that. That's just not how I wanted things to work. I went through a lot. I went, I had a whole bunch of investors that I was looking into and that was out of alignment. Like this went on for years and I think timing was off and like, I just had all these barriers, but I never gave up. There was still this drive because as soon as I started to give up, I would meet somebody that needed support. And right away I knew, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. There's like this deep knowing, this deep calling that I have to continue because I think along our path of whatever it is, you're always going to find resistance. There's always going to be barriers. There's going to be people that think you're crazy. I think everybody thought I was nuts. How am I, how are you going to do this? How are you going to get clients? And my truth is it's about a different level of care. I just wanted to talk to you about your truth. Yeah. When that truth was revealed to you, yeah. Was it a scary thought or did you face it head on with no question? If you look at my face now, I can't stop smiling. I'm covered in goosebumps. And when I think about my truth and what is in alignment for me, and I think if everyone can do this, think about the things that light you up. There's so much truth in that. Even when I was like, had the worst days and the investors didn't work out and Whatever was going on, as soon as I went back and connected back to myself and really started to think about what I wanted to create, there's so much certainty and joy in that. I think there's always fear. Everything's scary. Every day is scary. Like things will arise and they're scary. But if you center back into your truth, what is my truth? So my truth for me is having a place where women can show up in their deepest, darkest, most desperate moments. And they're greeted with love and kindness. And we all get out of our chairs and out away from the desk and we meet them and we know them and we support them and we listen to them and we create a plan for them, for their care. And we support them along the way of their journey of care. My whole system lights up. My nervous system calms down and there's this tingliness and there's a sense of knowing and joy, even though some days I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It just works out. Well, let's talk about Malia in a sec, but okay. I just wanted to examine the precursor to that. The immediate precursor was you volunteering in shelters and distress centers. So talk to us a little bit about that journey. 
it's actually sort of the same thing when you're volunteering at these places. There's so many restrictions on the people that actually need the care. So for example, if you're on the phone lines at the distress center, you only get a certain amount of time with somebody. You never see the same person more than once. You're as the counselor or volunteer counselor, you're only allowed to say certain things. They're listening to you to see how you're supporting them. It's not, doesn't your support is almost like scripted. It doesn't come from this deep sense of knowing the support that that person actually needs. And I just kept getting all these messages that this needs to change and that needs to change. And I need to do this differently. And I need to do that, that differently. Even at the women's shelter, they're only allowed if, if they're coming for supplies, they're only allowed certain things. Like there's all these restrictions around care. And so I think I was gathering information on how I can provide care in a different way where those barriers don't exist. Most people experiencing a lot of this stuff live in isolation. And I think the more unwell we are, we kind of tend to isolate ourselves, which again, going back to the way we should be living in community is so unhealthy. So it, um, it perpetuates unwellness. So there was not only a piece around care and providing these incredible services in a collaborative environment, but how do I facilitate community? For our listeners, Lori Bean has created a women's wellness center in Cochrane, Alberta called Malia. Mm -hmm. And this women's center was inspired by her experience going through the traditional healthcare system, the challenges that she faced, and also what she observed in the shelters and in the distress center. And through her own experience, in holistic health. Prior to the creation of your center, you make a decision. There's a decision at some point where you're like, I'm not only going to create something, I want to become a practitioner myself. Mm. What I heard you say is that you decided to become a biodynamic cranial sacral therapist, mm -hmm. as well as a lymphatic drainage therapist. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to us what they are? Yes. To my best of my ability. So again, being ill, you try all these different things. So our lymphatic system, which runs throughout our entire body. So it sits just under the surface of the skin and that carries fluids, toxins, things that are building up in the system and they flush them to our lymph nodes. They, they run them through our, through our lymph nodes and the lymph nodes then flush them through the body and we expel them with feces and urine, right? Often when you're sick and you're very toxic, it stagnates the lymphatic system. So that's why a lot of the time, like people that have viruses or mold toxicity or whatever, they can be sick for a really, really long time because they have this stagnated lymphatic system. So there's a modality that kind of moves the lymph through the body. It's, it's, a, it's a, a very gentle technique that supports this flow to remove toxins from the body. So a lot of people do it when they, even when they have like edema after maybe they've had lymph nodes removed from cancer or what have you, there's stagnation and we're meant to flow. Our systems are meant to flow. So it supports the movement of that flow. And it also relaxes the nervous system, supports health because you're removing all of those toxins. And it allows everything else in the body to function better, your tissues, your muscles, your organs. 
it's just this beautiful, gentle modality. And that really supported me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this so I can support others. And then I had an experience of biodynamic craniosacral therapy. So craniosacral therapy works with the, the, with the cranium and the spine and the sacrum, and then kind of everything that comes off of that into the body. So all the nerves, the muscles, the tissues, organs, everything in the body, regular craniosacral therapy is very manipulative. So you're going in and you're manipulating different things in the body. Biodynamic craniosacral therapy is totally different. So your whole, you have special holds that you do on different parts of the body and you're connecting it's not woo-woo, it's scientific-based, but it sounds woo-woo as I describe it with these different systems in the body. So I can actually put my hands on different parts of the body and feel if the nervous system is dysregulated. It has a certain sense to it. I can tell if where there's muscles that are contracted in the body that aren't releasing. I can tell where there's tissues that are unhealthy in the body. I can structurally, I can see if the, if there's any part of the skull that's compressed and needs to move, I can look at, I can feel into the ventricles in the brain and see if they're not functioning properly. So once I recognize those different things in the body, I go to that area and there's sort of like a process of connection. And because our bodies are brilliant healing systems, when you meet those systems, by touch and with intention and sort of this, this gentle, allowing the body to have the awareness that it's safe and you're there to support it. These systems automatically shift. It's the most beautiful thing because I think it's a very trauma-based therapy. So as most of us know, trauma gets stored in the body. I think that's the new general awareness. If you think to, about Gabor Mate or what have you. So it gets trapped in like our cells and our fascia and our tissues and our muscles and our organs and structurally as well. And we hold that because we haven't had the opportunity to release it. And when we have all of that going on in our body, that perpetuates illness and it creates new illness because we're holding and we're holding and more is coming in and we're holding and we're holding. So through biodynamic craniosacral therapy, you're allowing all that trauma to release. It can release from the cells, it can release from the tissues, and you can feel, I can feel things in the body shifting. I can feel blood flow moving. It also supports the lymphatic system. I can feel, you know, we might have cranial compression from when we're born. You know, we, we come out of the body and maybe as a baby, your skull's been shifted and it's been in that holding pattern for 50 years. You can just tune into the head and you can feel the entire cranium shifting and then the blood flow emerging. It is profoundly incredible. And through all of that, the nervous system regulates and there is a sense of ease in the body and it holds because that trauma has been released. But because we have layers and layers and layers and layers, you need as many sessions as you can get because it's, it's layers, but you start to feel better and better and better and better. It, it is probably to me, the most healing treatment. And I'll give you a quick example. So my dad was severely abused as a kid in all different ways. And my dad held trauma for years and years, been incredibly dysregulated in and out of the hospital, had electric shock treatment, has seen psychologists and psychiatrists for 40 years. He He's still till about five years ago, in and out of the psych ward, uh, mental health, like it's been horrendous to watch. And me being in this realm has tried to support him through alternative modalities, not going to listen, not going to listen. And that's fine. If we're not ready to, that's okay. 
And then one day he came to me and he said, okay, I'm ready to try this biodynamic, whatever. And I'm like, okay, so I, I can't see him. It's too close. I said, I think you should go see one of my teachers to make a very, very long story short. My dad for the past two years has been seeing my teacher. He started two times a week faithfully. He's gone every single week since he's off 11 medications. He has not been back for counseling at all. And I have nothing against counseling because I think they go beautifully together, but that's not what he needed at this point. He has had zero dysregulating anxiety attacks. He hasn't had to take any like coping drugs like Ativan or whatever it is. And he is a different human. My dad can connect again. He, they came over for dinner last week and he's sitting here having conversation. My dad's brilliant. And it's like back to the dad that I had 35 years ago. And that's all he has done. So there is so much power in things that we just still don't have awareness about. That's a powerful story. Can you tell us what the ethos of Malia is? What is Malia? Malia, I I would say it is a place where you can show up and feel supported and safe and nurtured unconditionally and be cared for as long as you need support. It's a place for women who most of the women who come there are just so done and unsupported by the medical system. So they can come in. We have something called wellness specialists. When you come in, a wellness specialist meets with you and really dives deeply into what is going on. Because sometimes we see things here. So I have this pain here and I have this pain here and I have this disease here and I have this disease here. But as we know, everything's connected. So not only what are you facing physically, what is going on in your life? What is in alignment? What's out of alignment? How's your marriage? How's your relationship with your children? Everything is connected. We we create these programs for people with all these different practitioners we have. I think we have 20 different practitioners who do numerous modalities and we follow them along their plans. So we follow up. How is it going with this? How is it going with that? Do we need to eliminate this? Do we need to add this in? Plus, look, we have this incredible studio where I think you're ready now that you've had gone through this type of healing and you're feeling better. Maybe you should join this program that we have, this workshop that we have. Are, are you ready to dive deeper into discovering your true purpose or your soul, or maybe a gentle yoga class, Nidra, where you lie on the floor and you connect to your body? How are women underserved in the healthcare system? Now I'll get emotional, probably. It's so heartbreaking. A lot of what we hear the most is that, I mean, we, we all hear this. It's all in your head. You have a lot going on. It's all in your head. So we're just going to give you some anxiety medication and go home and breathe and meditate. And what is that actually what's going on? There is zero testing done to see what is underlying with these ailments. So I'll give you a perfect example. When you go to the doctor and you get your thyroid tested, there's numbers that they follow in between these testing. So if you were blank to blank, your thyroid's Okay. When you go and you see a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor, they dive even more deeply into that and they evaluate the numbers that are outside of that range and they still consider those not optimal range. So let's support your thyroid with different supplements that can get you back into what are normal ranges where 
that just doesn't happen. And it's life-changing for people. Or we get this all the time. You think something is wrong with your hormones and you go to the doctor and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's only Alberta, hormone testing is rarely done unless you demand it and go to see some specialist. And it's like this whole rigmarole. We have women coming in in their fifties and sixties that are a complete disaster. They're emotionally dysregulated. They're depressed or they're anxious or they're suicidal, or they've gained a ton of weight. They don't know what's going wrong. They're not supported. So we do specialized testing just to evaluate hormones and support the hormones for them. And then they, we do symposiums on educating women. We should supposedly be looking at our hormones in our thirties. I'm 52 years old. I just realized at 50, I should be getting my hormones test tested to see even where I'm at, where they're going, how they're functioning. We just don't have the knowledge and awareness. So we need to educate. It's a huge piece of what we do. It could be anything. Depression. Why is the depression showing up? Depression or anxiety often shows up because our, our, our we know that our gut is our second brain. If our gut is unhealthy, it's mind boggling how that can affect your mental health. So maybe we do need some nutritional balance or some support for our gut system so we can support the brain. It's really looking into the depths of the systems and seeing what's going right and what needs support and how we can support it and trying different things and offering the care so that they're listened to so we can make these changes effectively for them. What I love about the concept of Malia is that it's collaborative and it is also a combination of different modalities as well as you have a nurse practitioner on board. And so the idea that you have a nurse from a traditional background involved to be able to offer some of the traditional support in addition to the holistic practitioners there to help the women that come to your center i think is incredible and i think it's disrupting the way things are currently in the medical system yeah because sometimes we do need medication for anxiety and depression but maybe sometimes we don't. Maybe we're missing GABA from our system, or maybe we're missing, I don't know, what it, whatever it is that you can take in a supplement. Maybe it doesn't require an anti-anxiety or an anti-depression medication. Like there are options. We're just not aware of the options that are out there. Like myself personally, my estrogen levels are off the roof. So the past two months I've been taking an estrogen supplement, which has really beautiful, like, I think you'd call them botanicals in there. I don't know what, what's in there, but my estrogen levels have come right down back to normal. So for me, that just feels like a really beautiful, healthy way. And if that wouldn't have been regulated, I would go see my doctor and say, okay, this isn't being supportive. What else can we look at? And they're completely open to that. I think that's the thing too, is I think everyone actually at Malia is open to supporting both because sometimes we need a bit of everything and that's okay. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. What are some of the practitioners you have on board? Right now we have five psychologists and they all practice different things. So they all have different things within their practice that they do. So some of them do EMDR, CBT, ART, CBT. There's different modalities of care, but they all work with different populations. So two of them work with kids from the ages of four to 
13. One of them specializes in teens. One of them specializes in adults. One of them specializes in the LGBT community. So they all have these beautiful specialties and they're amazing. Then we have a naturopathic doctor, a functional medicine doctor, a doctor of Chinese medicine, acupuncturist, a chiropractor, also, the acupuncturist and the chiropractor specialize in women's sexual health and pre and postnatal care and infertility. We have, again, biodynamic craniosacral therapies, but we also offer Reiki and reflexology and something called access bars and soul coaching. And so we're really bringing in mind, body, soul. It's a little bit of everything and not everything is for everybody. It's where you are at on your journey. And you also mentioned that there are symposiums and there's yoga and other services that you offer. Is there anything more about that that you can share? Yeah, it's interesting because we do not have a typical yoga studio. There are no mirrors. All of the classes are not like your typical Ashtanga or Hatha. They're often a combination, but they're all based on nurturing the nervous system. So that is the number one priority of all of these classes. So, I mean, I think if you're coming to a care center because you're unwell, you need some support with nervous system regulation. So they do that. But, and we also add a little bit of spirituality into every session where often at, there's always a piece around, maybe they're pulling cards or maybe they're connecting with spirit guides, or maybe they're, they're doing a bit of drumming, but it's a combination. All the classes are more of a combination. And then the women get the opportunity to share at the end, which is we're finding the biggest piece of the whole thing. Because once you've gone through these experiences, even though our experiences are different, just like yours and mine, it's kind of the same. We're all going through something similar, but in a different way. And it's sharing and normalizing our experiences and how we are exhausted and trying to show up and don't know how to care for ourselves. And what does it mean to have self-worth and, and nurture ourselves? And they're just conversations that emerge. We offer women's gathering events once a month. It's packed. All these women sit in circle. They're led by beautiful women. You get the opportunity to like share and do really unique, different, like there's always a theme and maybe it's a craft or maybe it's a practice or always with a bit of meditation and breathing, but it's really about connecting and creating community. Can you describe the space itself? This is an interesting question because after I left my practice, after so many years, my thought was, why did I do this? Like, why wasn't I drawn to psychology right from the beginning? And it's funny because I took two years of psychology at university and then I switched to design after I finished my, like decided I was going to sell my design practice. I was like, well, why, what was the point of all of this? Like I'd spent so many years doing this in the end. I didn't really didn't care what your house looked like. I cared more about who you were and what you were doing and your family dynamic. Cause you're often working with them for a long period of time. But then when I created Malia, every single day we have people coming in. I, and I'm not, not saying this from a place of ego. It is so nurturing and warm and beautiful, aesthetically stunning. It's not clinical at all. So even though most of these places that create something similar to this, it's still very clinical. This has like cream velvety benches with soft nourishing sage green pillows and this beautiful wallpaper on the walls and there's gold everywhere and wood and fireplaces and it's kind of like home away from home not spa -y 
it's just warm and beautiful. And it's like, I'm in awe still, but now the point I was going to make of all of this, now I know why I did design because I have learned how to bring that sense of warmth and texture and beauty to create this nurturing environment for people. I mean, kids come in, the little kids that come in, they're lying on the carpets on the floor and it's just this beautiful, you feel like you're at home away from home, but it's probably nicer than your home. (laughs) What is some of the feedback that you've gotten from your clients? Why did it take so long for this to exist? Why does it only exist here? Why isn't this everywhere? How did nobody think of this before? We can't believe the level of care. And and I am so, so, so particular in who is hired. And number one, are you able to provide the level of care that I'm looking for? Are you integral with that? Everything comes second. Money comes second. If you're integral in alignment, you take care of yourself. You can take care for others. Money comes So it depends what their intentions are coming in and your ability to nurture. Like I can pick it up like that now. So we've only been around for a year, believe it or not, there's 20 women, how we get along. I can't even explain it, but I think because we're all in alignment with what we do and how we care, everyone asks, like, don't you guys fight? Never. We have never had anything happen. It's beautiful. And I, I my goal is to create more of these because I think they're really needed. It's I say to people, it's not as easy as you think because your caregivers here are hand-selected and really special. So to open up another location, it takes a lot of work to find those people because they're really special people. I think people feel supported and cared for and seen and they're getting better and they're emerging into community, especially after COVID where everyone was really comfortable being isolated. As we all know, that causes so many mental health issues. Um, The fact that we offer care for kids is huge. We have a program coming up called Malia Girls. So once a month, they're 13 to seven year olds, they come in. So they're going to be working with a psychologist and an art therapist, but they're also going to be doing tarot and like spiritual things in the group and just connecting that whole mind, body and spirit and supporting them as young as we can support them. So they don't end up as like us at 50. <laughs> That's amazing. What structures need to change in traditional Western medicine? I mean, they're governed by their governing body, right? Who I think don't support the medical world. I think they don't see the need. I don't think it's the physicians themselves. I think if they could spend an hour with each client and get paid for what they're doing and learn more to support more, I think a lot of them really want to learn about holistic care. Like I have a physician right now, my own personal physician, and she asks me all the time. They never learned all of that stuff in school. They want to learn more. They don't have the time. They're not supported by their governing body because they won't get paid if they take time off to learn. And it's not introduced in, in their traditional learning, right? Like that whole soulful, the importance of the mind-body connection. Although what's interesting is I've had some psychologists that work for me that have learned all of this on their own because they come from here up, right? Everything is the mind. They're now learning practices to support their clients with coming into the body. What does that feel like in your body? Let's get out of your head. What does that feel like in your body? How is that showing up in your body? What is the nervous system doing? It's not all in the head. And sadly, I think it's become their responsibility to navigate it on their own. Can you imagine if we lived in a system, and I knew I know they have this in Europe, where 
a medical doctor works directly alongside a naturopathic doctor, but they actually understood what each other did, not just go see this person, but have a greater understanding of how they both worked. And if they're dealing with thyroid, for example, they have a discussion together and figure out what drugs they're on, what drugs they need to be off of, what we can support them with. That's what's missing. When you look back at the different versions of yourself, and by that I mean the pre-accident Lori, the post-accident Lori, the post-spiritual awakening, the post-Malia, do you recognize the connection, the domino effect of your soul's journey? 100 million percent. And what you're going to laugh at is I just recognized it. We had a practitioner come in. She's an astrologer. And she did this group session. I thought we were just going to go into our charts because I don't know a ton about astrology. But she did this thing where she connected our own personal path from the time we were born till now. And she showed you based on your chart, pivotal times of your life when things happen. And we had to find the, the, the string, the rope, the connection. It actually blew my mind, whether they were good things or whether they were bad things and how there is a direction that we're taking in our life. Things happen to us, but we always have choice, right? I think we can make it harder for ourselves by going this way or not going whatever direction but everything's connected. Like there is absolutely no question in my mind, even with my dad's mental illness and my divorce and my neuroses around the way I fed my kids. And you learn from everything. It's just what you do with what you've learned. Do you think we could ever be prepared for the next leap in our soul's journey? Never. <laughs> Never. Because I think there's divine intervention. And I think when we start living our truth and we're in alignment with our soul, then the universe is like, okay, they're ready for the next step because you don't know what's going to hit you in the face. When you walk down the street, I had a woman come to me yesterday and she said, Lori, I think we need to do something in addition to what you're doing really cool for women. And I'm like, what? And she said, I think we need to offer like a business symposium for new women in business, but without any caveats, without any restrictions, it doesn't cost them any money. And we find a way to support them. And my whole, I'm covered right now, again, in goosebumps, my whole body just live up, lit up because why have I gone through all these obstacles and all these hurdles in business that I and and I have no one to share them with. So this is an opportunity to share all these experiences I've had. So they don't have to make the eight million mistakes that I've already made. And she's also very successful in business. How do we bring that to women? They're gonna have a million questions. They're just starting. How do you even start? Don't waste your time doing this. Do this. Do, I mean, I that to me is a divine opportunity. Something I didn't think of. Something I couldn't have planned at all. But I think. It's a beautiful thing. You know, there's this whole narrative that if you're a woman in business, there's all these grants and there's all, there's nothing. So there was nothing for me. I went through a grant specialist trying to find me grants. I, even the loans that I was applying for with this woman led business initiative, I mean, my rates were like off the charts and I'm thinking, what, what, what about mental health? Isn't mental health supposed to be the most supported thing right now? Nothing. I haven't found it. And now I work with kids. I still can't find anything. So within the things that I have found, if I can support other women doing these things, I can share that with them. So they don't have to go through the bazillions of hours that I've spent kind of navigating all this stuff that fell into my lap. And I think it's because I'm ready. What is resilience? 
So there's always going to be things that you're faced with, obstacles that show up that you have to navigate. And I think resilience, having resilience is the ability to literally tap into your truth. When something shows up that's maybe difficult or horrible, you have to go inside and really remind yourself of why you're here, what you're doing, why it's important to you and how it makes you feel and sit in the energy of that because that will allow you to get through anything because there's always going to be things that show up that are going to put a block in your way. And I think we can only do that though, when we're living our truth. I think we're not resilient when we're deflated and depleted and overworked and exhausted and we don't care. Then we just fall into that like, I don't care anymore, whatever it is, what it is. But to be resilient, you have to be living life with passion and joy and truth and hope and desire and connection and community and love. And then you find that, trust me, not every day is a great day. There's a lot of things that show up that you're just like, how? But you get through it because that it's your inner strength. It's your higher self driving you forward. Do you have a practice of resilience that you can share with us? Yes. And I have to do this because I'm high anxiety and I live in a dysregulated nervous system a lot of the time. So when something shows up that's uncomfortable or a struggle or a stress, I have to take five minutes. I sit wherever it's five minutes. I sit in my chair and I go deep into my body I ground myself. I actually don't really ground from my feet into the earth. I do something a little different. I ground from my head into the ethers because I believe that's where our higher self is. That's where our support is. And for me, that allows me to ground deeply. And I really sit with my inner self and I listen to my body and I breathe five minutes and I remind myself of why I'm here and what I'm doing, what, what I'm doing and how I feel about what I'm doing and all the amazing things that are happening and the lives that I'm supporting. And then I still have to go back and deal with that thing, but that gives me five minutes to just regulate my nervous system. Cause you know, when you're in a situation that's stressful, you're at a million, right. And you just can't focus and you're dysregulated and you might say the wrong thing. You might do the wrong thing, but it's a five minute practice. I do it a lot actually, or even if I have a lot going on and I just, I'm just super overwhelmed. I just go back and I sit and I connect above with whatever, whatever you connect with. And I breathe and I feel my body relaxing and smile and think about all the things that I'm aligned with. And then I just come back to myself. Thank you for sharing that. How can people contact you and Malia? So our website is www.malia, M-A-L-I-Y-A.ca. Our phone number is 403-981-9868. Our Instagram is at Malia Wellness. Our Facebook's Malia Wellness. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, I'd love to help. We have a podcast as well. So it's on our website. So you can just click on podcast and we share just some of our client stories, but also how our different practitioners practice 
what they use within their practice. Like if you're curious about like all these different acronyms for all these different things that a lot of them do, like they educate you on that. We talk a lot about soul's journey. It's fun. Lori, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. It really does mean a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And I wish you all the best. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Stumbling Spirit, Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. This is Fabio da Silva Fernandez. Join me again next week for another episode of transformative stories and beneficial practices to guide you on your wellness journey. If you wish, you can follow and DM me on Instagram at The Stumbling Spirit. Until next time, take a deep breath and another step forward on your path of resilience.